This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And I suck you up and I spit you out and I play with your babies till you scream and shout. Welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. Jessica here. This is a special, short segment we like to call a hot take. Get it? On today's Olympic hot take, I interview Nancy Armour, a USA Today columnist who has been in Pyeongchang, South Korea, covering the Winter Olympics. But before we get into it, if you would like to hear more of these kind of hot takes or additional monthly Burn It All Down podcast segments, check out our Patreon. If you sign up to be a monthly sustaining donor for as little as $2 a month, you get access to this kind of content that is exclusive to our patrons. Thank you to everyone who has signed up already. You make this podcast possible, literally. If you'd like to join, you can sign up to be a monthly sustaining donor to Burn It All Down at patreon.com slash burnitalldown. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash burnitalldown. And now, here's my interview with Nancy Armour. She spoke to me from her office in Pyeongchang. So how long have you actually been on the ground in Pyeongchang? Oh, boy. Um, Well, let's see. Today is Monday the 19th, and I got here very late on Tuesday the 6th, I think it is. So almost two weeks. Oh, wow. And when do you leave? Well, the games end on the 25th, and I'm then going to go to Seoul for a couple days and then go to Vietnam. So I'm not actually back in the States until March 7th. Oh, wow. That's quite an adventure. Is this your first time covering the Olympics? No, this is actually my 12th Olympics. Um, I've done everyone since Atlanta in 96. Yeah. Wow. How is has this experience been different? Has there been anything that has been a surprise to you? Well, the one thing that's, this is actually a very different Olympics for me because the first, up until now, I've always had a sport. In the summer, I covered gymnastics. In the winter, I've always covered figure skating. So this is the first one that I am not doing a specific sport. I'm popping all over the place. I've done some downhill stuff. I've done some snowboard. And I think tomorrow I'm going to bobsled. So it's, it's all over. I was a little overwhelmed slash intimidated coming in just because I had not ever done this before. But it's also been really cool because I've gotten to go to a bunch of different venues and and seen some different things. That sounds very challenging to me. What do you enjoy about the Olympics? And maybe I guess the other side of that is like, what is particularly challenging as a reporter when you cover them? I know that that the Olympics are not the ideals that they're made out to be. I I know that in a a realistic setting, but at the same time, there is something so cool about the whole world coming together and seeing the best going head to head and and seeing athletes get to mix in one spot. To me, that's, I've always loved that about the Olympics and I still do. What makes it challenging is kind of having to be a jack of all trades, master of none, and also spend a lot of time on buses. Um, We're staying probably about a half hour from the main press center. 
And then if you're going up into the mountains, into one of the Alpine centers, it's another half hour, 40 minutes. Snowboarders is like another half hour or so. So you do spend a lot of time on buses. What is your typical day like? What do you actually end up doing during most of your days? Well, this is the first day that I've not had a a specific event. So normally I'd be on a bus by like 8 a.m. And you get up and like most of the Alpine events have started at 10 or 11. So you're you're watching those and then maybe you're writing in between if they're doing qualifying and then finals. And then after the event is done, you're talking to the athletes. They have something here that's called a mix zone. So the athletes come through, they, they basically just go down the line and talk to all of the rights holders. NBC obviously gets them first. And then they talk to all of the rights holders throughout the world. Then they come through to the print people. Last week when Michaela Schifrin won her gold medal in the GS, we probably didn't talk to her for about an hour afterward just because she was doing one stop after another, after another, after another. Do you have time to actually experience South Korea while you're there, like when you're reporting? Or is that part of why you're going to Seoul afterwards? I mean, how how much are you in the bubble of the Olympics? It, you're, you are in it a fair amount. In a lot of ways, you have to make a conscious effort to, to get out of that bubble, even if it's just going to dinner or interacting with people that you see on buses or... Um, at the Media Village, you know, workers and volunteers who are there. I try and run when I'm in a foreign country just so I can kind of see something outside of buses, Media Village, media center venues, because it is very easy to just get stuck in Olympic mode and not look beyond that. When we're watching this on television, I imagine there's a lot that we're missing as viewers. What are some of the things that we don't get to see when we consume it this way that when you go in person, you have much better access to or that you get to witness? You see other stories that are big. Um, A perfect example is on Saturday, the Women's Super G. My understanding is that NBC declared Anna Weiss the winner of the the race. And no sooner did they do that and cut away to figure skating than Esther Ledeshka came down, had the run of her life and knocked Vith into second place. And this was an incredible story because this is a woman who's a snowboarder and a skier, which that just is not done. She never finished higher than, I think, 19th in a World Cup. To me, it's probably the greatest Olympic moment. Not probably. For me, it's the greatest Olympic moment that I've ever seen. And it was probably a one-day story. In Europe, it is huge. In the Czech Republic, I'm sure that, you know, this girl is going to be just a rock star from now on because of, you know, this just does not happen. And so things like that, you guys, when you're at home, you're you're kind of, you're having to see what NBC is deciding as important, whereas we get to see a little bit of everything. And it's, it is kind of cool to, to see how the rest of the world views it and what they deem as important or what they deem as the biggest story. Were you able to talk to her afterwards? Oh, yeah. And she's, she, she's absolutely lovely. She was hilarious. She just seemed so stunned all the interviews that I saw. She was. She thought it was a mistake. She said, I kept looking at the scoreboard expecting them to put more seconds on. And it was funny because when when she was in the mix zone, she she had her goggles down and I thought, oh, it's probably just bright out or whatever. And they always do a news conference with the medalist afterward. She had the the goggles on and and somebody said, can you take them off? And at first she joked and she's like, no, this is my brand. And then somebody said, no, seriously. And she said, yeah, I have no makeup on. I wasn't prepared for, you know, to be at a news conference. (laughs) Yeah. It was great. I mean, she's just, she's absolutely hilarious. And like I said, she snowboards also. So her plan for that day had been finish her run in the the Super G and then get over to snowboard training. So she said, when she was doing the news conference, she said, I don't mean to be rude. You people are all really nice. She said, but I'd rather be out snowboarding. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah, that was so great when she came down and just to watch her son face. Wow. I was wondering about the OAR 
the Olympic athletes from Russia and sort of what the story is like on the ground there. Because in the coverage here, we, I mean, I just, I heard that there's a possibly a curling OAR who might have failed a drug test. But that's kind of all, other than the like awkwardness at the beginning with figure skating when they're like, well, what do we call them? Uh, There wasn't much discussion about, uh, there hasn't been a lot of discussion. So I'm wondering if it is one there and and that's something we're missing. It was in the first couple of days and it is kind of tailed down until today um, because of the report that the, the curler has tested positive. And in fact, somebody had left a sign on the, the door of the Olympic athletes from Russia office. Um, every, every Olympic committee has an office in the, the press center. And somebody left an, a sign on their door saying, see you in Tokyo in 2020, dot, 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 maybe. Wow. And there are athletes here, they don't necessarily blame the, the other athletes. They blame the Federation. But... This is frustrating, and, and by no means is, is Russia the only country that's doing this. But it was so blatant and so egregious that you know I think the athletes who are clean are just they're sick of it, and they want the Olympic Committee to do something, and, and clearly the Olympic Committee has not. So maybe you already answered this, but I'm going to ask anyway, just to make sure, uh, or maybe I should say, do you have another favorite story outside of Ladeshka that you've enjoyed covering while you've been there? Seeing Chloe Kim win, I, I'm, the kid is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, she just, it, it, and it's also, it's nice to see she's 17 and, and she, there's part of her that is very old. I mean, she's, she comes off as much more than a 17 year old, very, you know, much more older, but then she'll say things and it's, you are reminded that, yeah, this is a teenager. I mean, she should be in her senior year in high school. She's finished, but she's just a normal kid. And to see somebody be able to handle the incredible pressure and expectations that she came in here with and not flinch at all was is really kind of neat to see. And, you know, her parents are were, are both from Korea. They were both born here. Her grandmother got to, to watch her compete live for the first time. So to see that and see the family afterward was, was really, that was pretty special. That was such a neat event too, because Kelly Clark was in there. And you sort of had the other end of of it, right? With her five Olympics. And, and Chloe and, and Ariel Gold both have talked about what an inspiration and what a mentor Kelly Clark has been to them. And in fact, Chloe got uh, an award that U.S. Snowboarding Association gives out. They call it the Order of Icos. And it's, you're supposed to give it to somebody who's played a big role in your career. And she actually gave it to Kelly Clark as a thank you. Uh, that's so wonderful. Oh, my heart grows three sizes. All the feels. <laughs> <laughs> What else are you hoping to see this week that are you excited about seeing this week? I'm really looking forward to the downhill to see if Lindsay Vaughn can, you know, get another medal. Um, she wants it not just for herself, but, uh, you know, for her late grandfather. And this is her last Olympic. So it, it, she's been great in the training run so far. Um, she was first yesterday. Right now she's running second. So it'll be, you know, will she be able to get that and, and kind of put the, the, the ghost of the past Olympics behind her? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Nancy. Thank you for your time and safe travels. Oh, thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this hot take, please subscribe and share Burn It All Down. And a final reminder, if you would like to hear more of these kind of hot takes or additional monthly Burn It All Down podcast segments, check out our Patreon. You can sign up to be a monthly sustaining donor at patreon.com slash burnitalldown. Thanks again to Nancy Armour for joining me. And I suck you up and I spit you out.